0: the Lord. I am going to the book of Zechariah today out of the Old Covenant. Uh, it's one of the—it's like the second to the end there of the, of the books of the Bible. Praise the Lord. And um, it's right at the end of the Old Covenant. Zechariah chapter 4. I'm going to read out of a common text, um, but it ain't going to be a common word. Come on now. And um, what's going on in, in, in context, Zechariah uh, prophet has got a vision, he's having a vision, and in that vision there's a word of prophecy and also a personal word uh, for an individual called Zerubbabel. Okay? Zerubbabel is uh, the governor of Judah at the time. Uh, he was commissioned by God to, uh, to build the temple, uh, basically uh, working them towards building their future because the, the house of God, the temple of god was de, is designed to house the glory of God amen and so he he had a commission uh, by God to build the temple, get it done and uh, but problem was they uh, you know they they got it part way you know and and then they kind of petered out they just kind of wore out a little bit and they you know they, you know just didn't quite have enough umph to get to the end and uh, didn't have enough. They thought maybe enough abilities or enough whatever uh, to get to the end. And so what we have right now is a word to Zerubbabel, which is basically over a dozen years later. After uh, you know they basically stopped building. So for a, basically 12, 13 years in there, they've got they've been this been staring at basically the foundation of the house of God or the temple of God. Nobody's done any work on it. So now through this. Through this uh, vision and uh, prophecy, which is the reason for the prophecy, is it's basically a word not only to Zerubbabel but also to all of us, right. Amen. And so uh, he sees in this vision uh, the seven, uh, you know, lampstands or candlestick uh, deals, and all that's a representation of the church. And and uh, in fact, if you go to Revelations and you start seeing seeing him talk about it in Revelations and um, uh, talks about the seven lamp uh, candlesticks. Um, seven of course is a number of completion. Uh, even when you're looking in revelations, you see the seven churches that are uh, instructed and yet we can all relate to every se- all seven of them. Amen. So even though it's looked like it's seven different churches in all honesty, it's a letter to all of us as the church. Amen. Same thing here in, uh, with uh, uh, Zechariah. And then he talks about what flows into that is this golden oil from uh, the, uh, the tree, the olive trees, okay? And uh, really, it's referred to, or if you look it up, it says, the sons of fresh oil. Everybody say fresh oil. Fresh oil. So how many know you got to have fresh oil flowing in? Amen. Now, we're going to talk about that some today. All right, so praise God. Verse, uh, verse number six, let's go there. It said, and he answered and said to me, this is in the, in the vision here. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, who are you, O great mountain? Now, that word mountain just just means, uh, you know, the task at hand, the obstacle that's in the way. You know, the word talks about these mountains, these things that tower over you, these things that somehow or another seem huge or humongous in our lives. All right. He says, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain or you shall be leveled It literally means. He shall bring uh, bring forth the capstone. In other words, finish this thing with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel, Now I'm reading this on purpose. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands shall also finish it. Everybody say, finish it. It's not enough just to start. I mean, I praise God, uh, you know, for uh, everybody and how they came into the kingdom and the glorious things, the testimonies that we hear of how people get started in the things of God or they get started in a great work. And how many know all that's wonderful? That's a, that's a glorious thing. But how many know it doesn't matter how you, well you got started? What matters how well you're going to finish this thing. Are you still with me? I'm not trying to take away from anybody's testimony. That's a wonderful thing. But. It isn't so much when you get to heaven, it isn't going to be how glorious of a start you got.
1: We want to know if you can finish this thing. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a good thing you came today. you have an ear to hear today?
0: All right. Sometimes, you know, when you talk about some of these kind of things, everybody... Because of what they're going through, um, sometimes, you know, we can take it so personal and we think the preacher's preaching down your throat. No, I'm preaching down all your throats. Because <laughs> there ain't anybody in here that hasn't got some kind of warfare going on. Ain't anybody in here that have something they're working through, something they're dealing with, uh, you know. Uh, but a lot of times when we're in the midst of a battle, in the midst of warfare, we have a tendency to think we're the only ones going through it. And we're not the only ones going through it. Amen. We've all got warfare going on. I've got warfare going on right now. Are you hearing me? And so, uh, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. Amen. This is a word for all of us. Praise God. And so he says the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation, but his hands are also going to finish it. Then you will know the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Praise God. So Zerubbabel is commissioned by God to finish what he started. You notice he didn't say, okay, Zerubbabel, you're not, so I guess I'm going to commission somebody else to do it. He said, no, Zerubbabel, I want you to finish it. And even though you started it, and even though it's been laying uh, basically without any, any work done to it for a dozen years, he says, you're still going to pick it up and get her done. The problem is, in verse 6, okay, it's not by might nor by power. And he's talking and referring to your might or your power, right? The word might in verse six here. Are you there? Verse six. All right. The word uh, uh, might is uh, means force, and it literally can be your own strength or the strength of many. Okay. So we might be looking at something dealing with something. I don't have enough strength to do this. I don't have enough people backing me up to do this. I don't have have enough rest to do this. I'm wore out. Well, it's not by how much strength you have, how much might you have. The word power here, literally means ability. So it ain't so much even about how much strength, but maybe, maybe you might say, I don't have... I don't have enough ability. I can't do this. There's just no way I can do this. I don't think I have what it takes to do this. Well, did God call you or not?
1: The word here today um, explains a lot of things. There's a lot of gifts in the
0: body of Christ that have never come into fruition. A lot of callings and, and leadings and biddings that never manifested. A lot of things that, that God uh, instructed folks to do that never, never got anywhere. And it's because of what this thing we're going to talk about today. What we're going to talk about today is the Spirit of God and the grace of God. Which I believe is the two olive trees. My personal opinion. So, fresh oil. Everybody say fresh oil. Fresh oil. oil. If we're not drawn on the spirit, drawn on grace on a daily basis, you're probably going to peter out. And no matter how much you can say, I don't have what it takes, I don't have enough ability, I don't have enough strength, I don't have enough manpower, don't have enough finance, don't have enough whatever,
1: It isn't going to be but an excuse. Zerubbabel could have said, listen, I don't have enough people with me here. I don't have
0: enough what it takes to get it done. It doesn't matter. Your hand started it. Your hand's going to finish it. But he ain't asking you. He ain't asking Zerubbabel. He ain't asking anybody to do anything in their own strength their own ability, their own power.
1: But you are going to put your hand to the plow. You are going to initiate movement. Amen.
0: Thank you for all that enthusiasm. That's how it works. Everybody brings their part. Everybody brings their supply. Everybody does their part. Come on, somebody. Everybody gets involved. Everybody rolls up their sleeves once in a while and gets to be a part of it. That's how it works. Still with me? So it ain't by your strength. It's not by, you know, whether you, you know, have enough ability. Huh? That's he said. Talent, you know. Sometimes, man, that's what God needs is somebody that ain't got a bunch of talent. Somebody say, that don't sound right. No, sometimes it's right because sometimes talent gets in the way. I've seen it. Come on. I've seen people that got all kinds of talent, and it's all about their talent. God can't do nothing with them. Can't lead them, can't direct them because it's all about their talent. So it isn't always. Now, you, I believe everybody's got some kind of talent. Look at your neighbor and say, I think even you. <laughs> ah, come on now. Look at your neighbor again and say, it's a good thing you came today. Hallelujah. We all need this because we find ourselves many times not drawing on the Spirit of God. Now, the word Spirit, let's go ahead and jump into this. The word Spirit here is ruach, okay, in the, in the Hebrew in the Greek, of course, it's pneuma, but it means the same thing. It means the breath of God. The same deal with dealing with the breath of God, God breathing life into Adam. How many know it wasn't just, it wasn't just that moment of, of bringing life to a dead body or a lifeless body, but it's a daily thing. The garden was supposed to be a daily thing with Adam and Eve, amen, of God breathing into them every day. Are you still with me? Listen, this explains the difference between Adam in the Garden of Eden and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was drawn on the Spirit of God and drawn on
1: the grace of God. And he had a death sentence in front of him. Could you not pray with me? For one,
0: I couldn't even get you to pray. you eyes all snoozing on me, man. I'm just asking you to just agree with me. Pray
1: with me for an hour. Pretty serious business. So, anyway, the Spirit of God referring
0: to a breath. And as we've been talking about over the last couple months especially, we've dealt a lot dealing with this and took a lot of you know line upon line, precept upon precept concerning the things of the Spirit of God and about spiritual matters we've been talking that, And this ain't no different. If we're not going to spend any time with the Spirit of God on a day-to-day basis, you're not going to have the breath of God in you. And so it's inevitable what will happen is what always happens. Nobody's exempt from it. I don't care how much revelation you think you have. If God ain't breathing in you every day, it's only a matter of time, and you're going to do things in your strength and your ability. And you will wear out. And pretty soon, we're mad at everybody, down with everybody, offended because nobody else ever does anything. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, it's a good thing you came
1: today. I'm telling you, this is for everybody. This is for everybody. I had this week, I had one of those moments. Overwhelming moments. I had about oh about, about 15 minute wanting
0: to spit. So
1: mad. And uh
0: I probably did. Anyway, Spirit of God say, Whoa. Get to breathing in the breath of God here. Amen. Come on. Because nobody's exempt from this. Every day you've got to have God breathing in you. Zerubbabel, you don't have no excuse. Well, you just, uh, no, no, you don't have no excuse. You still have to finish what you started. You were commissioned to do it. Well, what about, let me breathe into you. You'll find out what to do. Let's go to the next verse here, verse 7, please. Who are you, O great mountain? Now, whatever obstacle that you're dealing with, Whatever task you're commissioned with, we want that mountain or that which appears to be a mountain in our life to become a plane, to be leveled, all right? Now, he says he shall bring forth the capstone or headstone, finish stone, I believe is really kind of what he's talking about. In other words, this thing's going to come to a close,
1: but it says with shouts of grace, grace to it. shouts, declarations.
0: There's a little shift in some of this because of Old Covenant, New Covenant in the area of grace. Grace in the New Covenant, Jesus said, "It's, it's to your benefit that I go. If I don't go, I can't send you the Helper. I can't send you the Helper who will be with you and be in you. That was kind of the difference of Old Covenant, New Covenant. Old Covenant was everything about upon, now the New Covenant's within, but it's still the Spirit of God working and doing. Now, in this case, he's talking about grace at this moment. Grace, uh, in the New Covenant, the word grace is charis, which means uh, a divine influence. It refers to things like, uh, you know, gifting or, or, or favor or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But it also defines it as a divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Everybody say divine influence, which means an empowerment. This word here, even in the Old Covenant, refers to an empowerment with declarations, literally shouts, it's making loud declarations of, I'm empowered. I'm empowered. He empowers me. He empowers me. Are you hearing me? So it's the Spirit of God breathing into you, amen, and you drawing on the empowerment that only comes from Him. It's no different in the new covenant except for the fact that that is on the inside, amen, the Spirit of God, amen, shows you by the Word of God, amen, that a divine influence comes upon, hello, the heart of and then reflected in the life. Still with me? Now, divine empowerment, divine influence, to be impacted, imparted into, empowered, influenced. You don't get influence unless you spend time with the one influencing. It never happens. See, I can't influence you unless you're here where I can influence you, or you're listening by, uh, one, you know, the, by media somehow or another, or watching. Are you still with me? So
1: that's how it works. So if we're not spending any time with God, there's no influence. If you're not letting the Spirit of God breathe into you, there's
0: no empowerment. See? So we're going along everyday life,
1: because we know Jesus, and someday we're going to heaven thinking that it just automatically jumps on us. And then we get mad because stuff don't happen like we want it to. Well,
0: did you stop and, you know, move into God, let God influence you a little, let God breathe into you a little bit? Now, you know as well as I do, we had a, we had a pretty good Holy Ghost and Fire night on Friday. It's a, You know, it was a whole kind of a different thing, what we did. We got in a circle. We started praying in the Holy Ghost and started believing God for other people, and all of a sudden we had a move of God going on. Was it because we were in a circle? It's because we initiated something by the Spirit, and all of a sudden you're empowered. It doesn't take much, but you got to do it. And so he says, you're commissioned to do this, to do that, to do this. But if you're never letting him breathe in, you're never initiating anything and drawing on that influence, you're probably never going to see that thing get done, or at least done right. Grace, a divine influence upon the heart. The heart is representative of the core, the center, literally means the seat of control. Personally, I look at it, the heart is the will of man. A lot of times people refer to it as the spirit, but there's too many other verses that contradict that. I can't really call it the spirit of man. I refer to it as the, as, the, as the will of man because Jesus said everything comes out of the will. Everything comes out of the heart of man, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So that's where I get a little bit of eh, about the spirit thing. Okay, It's just, okay, you can eat the meat, spit out the bones. What do you want to do with that? The point is this, if you don't let him influence the heart, come on, then what's being reflected in your life? Because Jesus made it clear, everything is reflected from the heart. Proverbs uh, Solomon said that all the issues of life come out of the heart of man. Jesus said every word out of your mouth comes from the heart of man. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Your actions, everything comes out of the heart. So if the words ain't right, the actions ain't right, you're you're wearing out, you're petering out, whatever you want to call it, amen, somewhere along the line, the heart is not being fueled
1: or being influenced properly. Zerubbabel, if you're going to get this done, which you are,
0: then I'm going to have to be able to breathe into you. Well, I'm busy. I'm the governor. Doesn't matter. You're still called to be breathed into, to be influenced, so that you can do this right. Well, pastor, I got a job. Well, who the heck doesn't? I have a family.
1: Well, come on. Well, I have a lot on my plate. Well, who doesn't? We all got things to do.
0: We all got a lot going on. But my thought is this. Are you doing it in your strength? Are you doing it in your might? Are you doing it in your ability? Are you doing it? Come on. In your own power? Or are you letting him fuel you? Still with me?
1: Whew. Boy, it's a good thing you came today. Because you're looking like you need this. Hallelujah. What's speaking into you on a day-to-day basis?
0: Because whatever... Influences the core, the center, the
1: heart of man is always what's reflected. Amen or ouch. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians, chapter 12. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved.
0: There is nothing we're talking about today that you can't do.
1: Just spending time with God just takes time. Somebody says, Well, I don't have time.
0: Then you're too busy. And chances are you're not spending enough time with Him to get a leading on what you should be doing or not doing. We're not, we understand there's some things that go on, and, man, there's all kinds of stuff coming from every direction. But if you let God empower you and lead, God will show you what to do, how to do it, so yet you still have time. Come on. Amen. You know, well, you know, I have to work three jobs. Well, what if you heard from God and he told you you don't need all three of them jobs? He might say you only need one job, but you're not even doing that one yet, so let's get you over here where you belong. And all of a sudden now you're doing one job, come on somebody, that meets the need, come on somebody, that met, amen, as much as those other three jobs did. Listen, as a child of God, you, amen, are called to have the best job. Especially if we are being led by God. I mean, all of a sudden God will position you and put you where he needs to, praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Let's look at a verse that a lot of times gets avoided. Verse 7, chapter 12. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, and he tells what it is, a messenger, the word angelos, which is the word angel, by the way, an angel or messenger of Satan or the devil, come on, who was there to buffet me or to war against me, okay, lest I Be exalted above measure. Not because of God, but the enemy's trying to shut him down. Concerning this thing, everybody say this thing. I pleaded with
1: the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Lord, take this away from me. Lord, take this away from me. God, what did he say to him? The Lord said this. My grace
0: is sufficient or is enough for you. For my strength, which is the word dunamis, which means miracle working power, which means force, amen, is made perfect or complete in weakness. The word weakness means feebleness. It means uh, frailty. But get this, it means an inability to produce a result. A lot of people, you know, you get into this kind of topic and everybody says, well, you know Paul had a that thorn in the flesh was a physical ailment. Well, I'm sure Paul had to deal with physical ailments. I mean, I mean that's I'm sure of it. but in all honesty, you got to remember what's being said here. Amen. Chapter 11 brings it out. In fact, uh, I didn't give her these verses, but if you've got your Bibles open there back up to chapter 11. Verses uh, maybe 23-ish, right in there somewhere. And he's talking, about, he's talking about all the things he has to deal with. Labor's more abundant. In other words, there's all kinds of work that needs to be done. In stripes, above measure. In other words, all kinds of uh, abuse and stuff that's happening to him. In prisons, more frequently. Come on, he wasn't going to prison for doing naughties. Are you hearing me? He was in prison for preaching the gospel. Huh? In death, often in other words, I was knocking on death's door multiple times. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one.
1: Five times received the lashings. Do you think maybe there's a messenger of Satan that's there to buffet him? Is anybody hearing me?
0: I mean, literally, this guy, because of his revelation, in fact, if anybody could preach grace, it was Paul. Paul walked in such a revelation of grace. In fact, most of the teachings any of us have about grace came out of Paul. This is where he learned it. He's trying to get God, get all this mess. He said, listen, you've got enough at your disposal to handle it. You can take care of this. You can deal with this. You can overcome this. Speak to that mountain. Tell it to go. Make that mountain become a plane in front of you. He didn't say this to say you guys just all suffer along and keep suffering. Grace isn't about you keep suffering. It's about dealing with it. He's trying to get God to pull it away. In fact, uh, Romans 10 uh, brings out real clear. That, you know, we're not to call, try to call Christ down to take care of something he's already taken care of. Or call him up from the dead
1: again, amen, to take care of this. Is anybody hearing me? Yeah. From the Jews five times
0: I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Holy smokes. We get upset because we didn't get enough sleep. We back down because somebody didn't agree with us. We give up and quit because we didn't get it our way.
1: We whine because it just didn't manifest like I wanted it to. Once I was
0: stoned. Literally, Acts 14 says he was stoned to death. In fact, the beginning of chapter 12, he talks of a man who, went, who experienced heaven out-of-body experience. Most scholars all agree he's talking about himself. When did that happen? When he was stoned to death. The brethren got around him, raised him back up. You know what he did?
1: He went right back into the city. Said, hey, that all you got? Huh? Once I was, uh, what it says here, probably three times I was shipwrecked.
0: A night and a day I've I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, false brethren. I mean, it just goes on and on. So then he comes
1: down here and he's talking about, listen, this it's obvious, man. The enemy is fighting tooth and toenail against me. And deal with him. Three times. Three times I went to the Lord. Lord. You have what it takes. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a good thing you came today. You have what
0: it takes. So, are we drawn on the grace? Are we letting the Spirit of God breathe
1: into us? Are we too busy for that? Listen, if you got marital problems, this'll fix it. You got health issues, this'll fix it. You got conflict of any kind, this'll fix it. Years ago, the Spirit of God talked to me about, about basically this subject
0: and said this is the difference between high-impact, low-maintenance Christians and low-impact, high-maintenance Christians. Right here, comes in this thing. And if we're not drawing on grace, we're not letting the Spirit of God breathe in us and drawing on the influence of God to empower us, amen, so it could be reflected in our life, we end up being a low-impact, high-maintenance And nobody wants to be that. Now,
1: we're not here picking on anybody because we've all been here. I said we've all been here. Verse, let's see, where are we at here? Um,
0: Verse 9 again. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength. So he's referring to his grace as strength here. Right? So his grace to him, he refers to it as his denomination, his ability, his force. Come on now. Zerubbabel, it's not by
1: your power, it's by my power.
0: Pastor, I, I just don't know what to do. Well, when's the last time you got alone with God, commune with God, fellowship with God, walked with God? You know, the word to walk with God, walk in the Spirit, all it means is to literally conduct life, live life in communion with Him. It literally means to, to literally it means small talk, talk, communicate. When was the last time you just sat somewhere, got quiet, and talked with the Lord? Just let him breathe into you. I'm too busy for that. No, you're not.
1: I got too much on my plate. Then you got too much on your plate. Am I being too hard? Maybe I am, huh? I I think about how much stuff takes us away from
0: what we're called to do. And we, we t- somehow we try to justify it in our mind. Zerubbabel is trying to justify it in his mind. Well, I don't have enough, enough power, enough people, enough this, enough that. I don't have enough ability. So, you know, you can't hold that against me. He said, no, you, you start it.
1: You're going to finish it because you're commissioned to. There's no excuse. You know, we just... Um,
0: this week had, uh, you know, had a service for a brother in, in the house of God that, that went home to be with Jesus, and and uh, had a few of them over the years, and
1: um, it's irritating to me because uh, you see, especially when they're young,
0: and uh, gifts and callings that, you know, that are cut short, and. Um, Thing that I always remember it, it for almost every one of them that I've had the, uh, the you know the opportunity to be around them in their last moments, and in those last moments, all of a sudden nothing else matters. You know what do they say? There's there's no uh, atheist in a foxhole. And there ain't, because in those moments, everybody's looking up. Now, all of a sudden, spiritual things are of a higher priority. And uh, we're not. That's not belittling anything or taking away from anything. But it's amazing how all of a sudden, in those moments, all that other stuff just doesn't seem to matter. All the things that right
1: now we think matter, they're higher priority. This is important. Is it really? Really? Well, you know, God wants me blessed. Yes, he does. He wants you blessed. But he wants you empowered,
0: too, so you could do and finish all that you're called to do and finish. Amen. And you should be able to do it having fun the whole way. Yeah. Amen. So we're not trying to, Oh, you know, now he's going to take away all my fun. Bless God. No, that isn't at all. Fact, the more time you spend with God, the more fun you actually have in it. The more you you actually more that he's breathing in you, the more he's empowering you. That divine influence that impacts your heart is reflected. And that's the cool thing about it, is whatever impacts the heart is automatically reflected. So if I'm letting him breathe into me and influence me, it automatically is reflected. So now I can actually finish
1: the job. Whew, I'm glad I came today. He goes on to talk. He says here, um, therefore, most gladly, I would rather
0: boast in my infirmity. It's the same, same word there, infirmity, the same word, weakness. Actually, this word is used four times in the next, these next two verses here, in 9 and 10. The word means an inability to produce a result that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmity, inability, in reproach. The word reproach here just means verbal attack. The word in needs here just means uh, literally being constrained due to need. In persecutions means people pressure. In distresses means mental pressure for the sake of Christ. He's not saying that, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that I get more and more of this. Let's pray for more of this. No, what he's saying is I take pleasure knowing the fact now with the revelation of what grace can do because that's what he's telling us about. I know now that no matter what inability is out there, what is coming against me, that no matter what comes against me with him empowering me, I can conquer, praise Amen. God. I can finish this job. I can get to the end, praise God. Sometimes, like I said, this topic, you get on with Paul and we automatically start saying, well, you know, he just says that we all got to. We all got to be sick and we all got to be in need and we all got to be, you know, persecuted in the sense of, you know, we got to, you know, just accept it. That that's just life as a Christian. Well, there's all kinds of that coming at you. I'm not going to deny that. But you can overcome all of it. With grace. And the more you have God breathing into you, the more you're having God influence your heart, the more you can walk this thing out. Let the weak say I'm strong, right? For when I'm weak, uh, then I'm
1: strong. Why are you strong? What's the, what's the text here? Why are you strong? Because grace, right? Come on. So he's, he's breathing into me. He's uh, empowering me. That even in the
0: natural, I might say, I don't have the ability. I don't have what it takes. I don't have all the, the talent. I don't have all the strength. I don't have all. He says even in the midst
1: of all of that, I can still say, I can do this. Praise God. I can do it.
0: Put the, did I give you Acts 20 and 32? Put that on the board. So then, brethren, this is Paul talking. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able what? To build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Grace will always connect you to your future. Always connect you, amen, to everything and anything that you need in God. Grace is it. Now, a lot of times with grace, and I'm just going to close with this, Many times grace gets compared or gets defined as mercy. That's where there's a mix up in that. Because a lot of times we refer to in his grace and mercy or in his mercy and grace. So sometimes we subconsciously have a tendency to to lump them together. All right? Mercy and grace are two different things. Are you hearing me? Mercy uh, is is what disconnects you from your past. Grace is what connects you to your future. Are you with me? So if we're not drawing on grace, we're not being connected to where we're headed. So what happens is we're going to come up short, okay? And we got to, usually what ends up happening, we got to keep drawing on mercy, 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 mercy,
1: because we come up short. Grace isn't about covering over weakness. It's about eliminating
0: weakness. Grace isn't about covering over sin. It's eliminating sin. Mercy covers over it. Grace eliminates it. The law and grace. Let me just toss that out there. This is a big part of what, uh, you know, especially Paul, the revelation that Paul had. Dealing with this thing. The law. um, Let me ask you something. How many know it says to live clean? All, All four of you. How many know it says to live clean? How many know it says to walk in love? Now, um, it also says that you're you're not held by the law, but you're under grace, right? Not under the law, but under grace, right? So does that mean you don't have to live clean? Does that mean you don't have to walk in love? No. It means now you have the empowerment to do it. Because the difference between law and grace, law is all about doing everything in your own power. Grace is about doing everything in his power. Still with me? So the more that you're out here just trying to, oh, what are you gonna do? I gotta walk in love. Oh, I gotta forgive.
1: Oh my gosh, I gotta be, you know, long suffering. But you know, I'm a child of God. This is what we do.
0: I can't stand it, but this is what we do. Come on. A lot of Christians, that's why they look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. Come on. (laughs) when all along. It's like this is what we get to do. Okay. I can't walk in love without grace. Because not everybody's lovely. I know most of you are, but there's people out there that ain't. Come on. There's a lot of folks we bump into that ain't real loving. A lot of people bump into that they don't like us or don't agree with us. Come on, right? It's out there. So, But the Bible says I still got to walk in love. Well, how in the
1: world are you going to do that? Well, then you better spend some time with him. Now, Hebrews 4
0: brings out, come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? to obtain mercy, and to find grace in time of need. So where do you find grace? Spending time with Him, right? It's just just another way of saying it. It's just spending time with Him. So everything we're talking about just comes down to this, all right? Hallelujah. Father, thank You for Your presence. Thank You for Your goodness. Hallelujah. You might... Praying the Holy Ghost, or you might just start saying, Lord, I just want to thank you for, hallelujah, for what you're doing right now. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your glory. Hallelujah. And then there might be some time, you might be just, as you're doing that, you just kind of get quiet. And what what are you doing? You're giving him time to speak something, something, show something. I always keep a tablet close to me, Um, always do, because it's inevitable every time I spend time with him, and I ain't saying this as some kind of weird boast. It's just God is always wanting to say something. Always. Always wants to speak something. Always wants to. He'll give you a leading. He'll give you a bidding. He'll say, this is what you need to do next. About this person. This is what you need to pray. About this situation. This is how you do it. And every time that happens, what do you do? He just. Took a load off. Because you're sitting over going, what do I do? How do I fix this? How do I change this? What do I do about this thing? What do I do about this person? What about my marriage? What about my finance? What about this? What about that? What about this? And the whole time, guys, I got
1: answers for you. Well, I ain't got time to talk to you, cause I'm too busy worrying, and fretting, and stewing, and stressing. And the whole time, he's
0: got something for you, and it isn't—it it is no more complicated than what I just did right there. Sitting down, give him an opportunity. Amen. Whether you're praying in the spirit, whether you're taking some time, just communicate and fellowship about some things, and then give him some time to begin to speak into you. So he'll breathe into you. It isn't complicated, but very few people do it. And so they're overwhelmed. So now they're saying they have an excuse. I can't. I'm not able. There's no way that I could do that. I don't have time, you know, or it's impossible or whatever, right? And the whole time, God says, I got an answer for that. I have clarity. I got direction for you on that. You know, the Spirit of God will tell you when to pick up the phone when not to. Spirit of God will tell you what to connect with, what not to connect with, what job to sign up to and what job not to, what, you know, what, What, uh, you know, who you need to be praying for, who not to be praying for. Somebody says, well, you should pray for everybody.
1: No, I think you should just pray for who he leads you to pray for. It's just easier on you. There's certain things the word gives you clarity about what you need to pray. You do that. But there's leadings,
0: there's biddings, there's promptings. And if you get beyond that, pretty soon you're overwhelming yourself. Pretty soon you're putting more on your plate than what should be on your plate. Come on now. Listen, listen, we, we understand busy.
1: Boy, it works better when he's breathing into you. Works better when you're drawing on grace. And no matter I mean, I don't think I don't think there's anybody in the room that's had
0: enough, you know, as much pressure on them as Paul did. I mean, literally, an angel of darkness was assigned to him. Now, there may be a few days we feel like that's happening, right? But I mean, he literally had an angel of darkness assigned to him, just because of the revelation he was walking in. We got to shut him up. So, whatever they they created, all kinds of things, and and yet God said, "You got grace and empowerment to overcome anything you're dealing with." And when he got that revelation, that's really why he's sharing it, because he got that revelation. My grace is enough. My grace is sufficient. And if you're drawing on it, it's sufficient. You can handle this. You can do this. And you can get the job done. And guess what? Paul got the job done. Paul went to the end like he was supposed to. Even at times when it looked like there's no way he's going to come out of this. And yet he does. And so I think, you know, whether we're talking Zerubbabel, we're talking Paul, or we're talking you or me, how it works is by letting the Spirit of God breathe into us on a day-to-day basis and drawing and allowing that divine influence to impact our heart, amen, so it can be reflected in our walk. Can I hear a big amen? amen? Give the Lord a praise. Come on, somebody. Well, praise the Lord. Did you get something today? Maybe I got a little too intense with you, huh? Did I? All right.
1: I um. Uh, yeah, I not y'all stand up. I I um. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I believe it's uh Romans five and verse 17,
0: it says that um, talks to us about receiving the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, and it says that you will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. But how do you reign? How do you, how do you overcome and conquer is by receiving the abundance of grace. You ever say abundance. abundance. You, you, you ain't never going to wear him out on that. There's enough grace to handle any situation. You're never going to run short, amen, hallelujah. And it says, and of the gift of righteousness, which just means putting you in a place of right standing, which means that's why you can be bold, you can come boldly to the throne of grace because you're in a place, you're positioned in a place of right standing because of what Jesus did. So we never really have any excuse. We really don't have any excuse for coming up short on grace. It's just sometimes we just don't take the time to do it. Father, we give you praise and glory. Thank you for your grace. Thank you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your breath breathing into us. Thank you, Lord. It's not by our own might or our own power, but it is by your Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I thank you that every mountain before us, every obstacle, every task at hand, is becoming a plane before us. Hallelujah, with the shouts of grace, grace, hallelujah. And we give you the praise and the glory. for it. Thank you for your grace, we give you honor in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.